All right. So the last time I shared, uh, we talked about the new seed of new creation. I think Martha followed up with some of that last week. That in Christ, in Christ, God has begun a new work in the earth where the old has passed away. Jesus says in Revelation 21.5, Behold, I make all things what? New, right? I make all things new. Do you think he was kidding? Mm. We talked about Jesus being the seed of the new creation, plucked like fruit from the tree of the cross to be buried in the ground so that the seed of Adam, now integrated into the new seed of the kingdom through Jesus' humanity, could die and emerge as the new man in Christ, the planting of the Lord as trees of righteousness. And you may recall that I have made the point that seeds do not produce fruit. Seeds do not produce fruit. Seeds produce the trees that produce the fruit, that produce the seed, and so on, and so on, etc. And this is, an import, is important because although a seed will take root, we also know from Jesus' teaching that other conditions can dramatically affect the growth and progress of the seed while it is trying to find root in the soil of life. Luke 8, 5 through 8, it says, this is Jesus speaking because it's in red. A sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell along the path and was trampled underfoot, and the birds of the air devoured it. That ends that. Some fell on the rock, and as it grew up, it withered away because it had no moisture. Some fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up with it and choked it. And some fell into good soil and grew and yielded a hundredfold. As he said these things, he called out, He who has ears, let him hear. Are you hearing this? Do you have ears to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church in this season? I hope so, because it's a time of great transition, but also a time of intense spiritual warfare. And it's imperative that we recognize the Good Shepherd's voice from all the other voices that are shouting out for our attention. Listen, do you watch the news every night? I watch the news every night. Right? So you know what? Eliminate two nights a week where you don't watch the 6 o'clock news and during that half an hour, read the scriptures. Read the red in the Gospels. Huh? Try to get some balance because there's a lot of voices yelling. There's a lot of placards being held up, aren't there? I mean, last night on news, we watched the news. I haven't watched the news in three weeks. <laughs> I watched it last night. And, you know, they've got all these rallies where... This side is rallying on this side, and this side's rallying the opposing view over here. You know, in cities all over our nation, there are a lot of voices right now trying to get your attention. You know, it's a distraction. It's a distraction. 
A tree, on the other hand, is all already rooted, solid in its place and purpose, and it takes a lot to move it, like a hurricane. Right? We've seen that this week. And so Jesus in the new creation, as in the original creation, does not start his planting with fruit or seed, but he starts with trees. Listen to Genesis 1, 11 and 12. And God said, let the earth sprout vegetation, plants yielding seed, and fruit trees bearing fruit in which is their seed, each according to its kind on the earth. And so it was. The earth brought forth vegetation, plants yielding seed according to their own kinds, and trees bearing fruit in which is their seed, each according to its kind, and God saw that it was good. The earth sprouted trees, not seed. Not seeds in the original creation. Fully grown, deeply rooted, fruit bearing with seeds already in the fruit of the trees. It's kind of like the quasi-theological, philosophical question that is occasionally asked. This is a good one. Wrong. Did Adam have a belly button? Right? I mean, this is deep. Did Adam have a belly button? Yes, he did. Absolutely. Absolutely. Listen. Because he was the first tree in the human forest, and the fruit of his seed would all have belly buttons, they are written into the DNA. He had to have a belly button. It's important to know. Seed produces after its own kind. It cannot reproduce something other than what it is. Adam had a belly button. So if you ever go to Bible college or seminary, and that question is brought up, you've got a good argument. And it's the same dynamic with Jesus in the new creation. He starts with trees, rooted and grounded in him and in his word and established in the Holy Spirit and full of seed. Full of seed. Now, before I talk about this planting of the Lord, I want to show you the embedded seed within the fruit that the trees will produce. In order to do that, I want to refer back to a scripture we looked at the last time I spoke to just refresh our memories. This is John 15, uh, 1 through 8. Again, it's Jesus speaking. I am the true vine. My father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Don't you hate that line? Ouch, pruning. Yeah. Huh, Josiah? Pruning, right? Huh? Come on. Lift your hands. Mercy, Lord. Mercy. Right? Here you go. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do how much? Nothing, right? If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. 
and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish. Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. I think there's a coded message in there. Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. How do you get the answer to your prayers? You abide in him. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. And of course, we all know how this stuff works in the natural, right? The vine or the tree is deeply rooted in the soil and draws nutrients up into itself and distributes that life flow to the branches, which in turn causes the branches to express joy and beauty by flowering. And out of that expression of all that was given and all that was received, and there's another key, all that was given and all that was received, the word of God says all the promises of God in Jesus Christ are yes and amen, then how come we lack so much? Because it isn't just what's given, it's also what's received. I can hold out my hand with an offering to you all day long, but unless you come and take it, it's still mine. And it does you no good. These are principles of growth in in the spirit realm. Fruit and fruitfulness are produced. And it is the same with Jesus as the vine. Deeply rooted in the Father's love through obedience He draws on the boundless reservoir of grace and love and pours that out into our lives through the flow and life current of the Holy Spirit where we experience joy unspeakable and full of glory. Whose beauty and fragrance permeates the atmosphere around our lives. And as we blossom and bloom, grow and mature, those in darkness see the light of his love. They smell the fragrance of his mercy, and they want to taste and see that the Lord is good. Church, he calls us trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord. Isaiah 61.3 in the King James puts it this way. To appoint unto them that mourn in Zion. Any, any of you sad about anything? You suffered loss recently? You feel a grieving in your heart? You know, the Lord knows. The Lord knows what's going on inside. He appoints to them who mourn in Zion to give unto them beauty for ashes. Beauty for ashes. He doesn't want you covered in sadness, covered in mourning. He has something to replace that with. The oil of joy for mourning. The garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Lift up your hands, lift up your voice, begin to praise the Lord. It'll change the atmosphere of your heart. That they might be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he might be glorified. And the seed that we sow, the seed that was sown into our lives through the love of Jesus Christ upon the cross and empowered by the Holy Spirit when he was raised Jesus from the dead, that seed is love. 
the same seed Jesus received from the Father. So continuing Jesus' dialogue in John 15, he goes on to say, as the Father has loved me. There's the seed. As the Father has loved me. God so loved the world, he seeded it with the presence of Jesus Christ in the flesh. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. He planted Jesus on the cross to express the love. The seed of love went out from the cross as he went down into the grave, and fruitfulness began to happen in our lives. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things have I spoken to you so that you can be morose and under this religious bondage for the rest of your life. How come some of you are doing this? <laughs> These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy might be full. His joy increases our joy. Listen, we need it. We need it. The joy of the Lord is our strength. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends, for all that I have heard from my father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should abide. And what's the fruit? The fruit is love. The greatest of all of these, Paul says, he says it over and over and over again. We hear it at weddings, you know, the, the scriptures in Corinthians, love this and love that, you know, it's, oh, isn't that a nice wedding, you know? That isn't what it's about. It's about lifestyle. It's about fruitfulness in the kingdom of God. Express love produces fruit. that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you so that you will love one another. In other words, so that you will be fruitful. These trees of righteousness are all unique in who they are, and they produce fruit after their own kind. I talked about this a couple of weeks ago. Martha's famous plum tree she brought in planted in the front yard and four years later we start getting apples <laughs> and the fruit that they produce is glorious and life enhancing Galatians 5.22 says this but the fruit of the spirit is love first and foremost love and what follows? Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Oh, anyone need that? Mm. Against such things there is no law. You see, in Christ, you can love even the unlovely. 
we can express joy even in the midst of trials and circumstances. We can speak peace to the storms of life. When others are rude, we can be kind. Isn't that good? When others act out in anger and abuse, we can convey goodness and gentleness. We can be the faithful friend to the abandoned heart. And through patience and self-control, we can overcome evil. Can you think of a time when your presence made a difference? Just the fact that you came on the scene. I, I've told the story of what happened to Martha. She just went out for a walk, ended up in a parking lot, and some guy was going to blow this girl away. She's saying to him, go ahead, go ahead, pull the trigger. I don't care anymore. And he turns and he sees Martha, gets in the car and drives away. Just her presence just her presence. She never had to say a word because Christ is in her. She's fruitful. She's a fruitful tree. Turned the tide of violence or accusation or perhaps a word spoken in gentleness brought healing and reconciliation to a relationship. This is the fruit of our lives and it's glorious in God's sight. So we see in the gospel accounts that Jesus, over a period of three and a half years, and from the good soil of the life he lived, sprouts a dozen or so trees to begin the fruitfulness of his new creation garden. Embedded in them is the seed of fruitfulness that is designed to nourish, equip, and mature the church, the body of Christ, as it lives out its ambassadorial calling to go into all the world reconciling humanity to God while expanding the kingdom. It is this foundational aspect of calling, gifting, fruitfulness, purpose, and the missio Dei, that is, the mission of God for the church. Now, here's a little something I read uh, from Bill Johnson online a couple of nights ago. I thought I'd throw it in here. He says this, It is said that when a kernel of corn is planted... Every kernel that grows on a resulting ear of corn has the exact same DNA as the original kernel in the ground. Jesus became the ultimate seed that was planted in death, and we were born again by the same spirit that raised him from the dead. Hmm? Uh, grab your ear and say, the DNA's in there, baby. <laughs> Every born-again believer has the DNA of Christ. The potential of this truth for our lives is just off the charts. Just think it through. Christ in you. You know, it's not like you have this little box in your heart. Oh, I got Jesus in my heart. No, (laughs) he permeates you. He permeates you. He's rooted in the Father's love. And as you're drawing off of that, the Father's love is coursing through your veins. It's permeating your muscle and your flesh and your mind and your heart and your emotions and just dying to be expressed out. Do you ever plant mint? (laughs) Yeah. Right? It'll take over everything. 
He will take over everything. That's his plan. I make all things new, and you are the contagion. Come on. We're going to be in the book of Ephesians uh, quite a bit in the weeks to come, so I want to share a few comments from Alan Hirsch regarding uh, this dynamic letter to the church about the church for the church. Ephesians, he says, contains one of the most bountiful promises relating to community and discipleship in all the scripture. And here it is, Ephesians 3.20. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly. How much? Far more abundantly. All right, so each of those is progressively more than the previous one. Right? I think you just go on at infinitum. You know, just keeps pouring out. Far more abundantly than all that we ask or think. There is not a need that you could ever have that is greater than his ability to meet it. I want to say that again. There is not a need you could ever have that will be greater, is greater, ever will be greater than Jesus Christ's ability to meet that need. I don't care if it's addiction, disease, whatever it is, he is able, he is able, he is able, and he's faithful to do it if you abide in him. According to the power, I like this, (laughs) at work in us. Did you catch that? You know, it's easy to say, well, well, of course he's God, right? He's got, all, he's got God power, right? right? But it isn't just because it's in him. He's in us, according to the power that's in us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Now, here's Hirsch's uh, commentary on this. This scripture says that Jesus' church will be so great Come on. Jesus' church will be so great and transformative that not only will it exceed our imaginations, it will also be empowered to extend this transformative capacity from one generation to another, right down through the ages. Do you want this for your children? It's in the seed. It's built in. Envisioned here is nothing less than a revolutionary move of God that can keep going until its very purposes are fulfilled. God never fails. His word never returns to him empty, but it does accomplish that's what he purpose to do. In other words, the church is meant to be a dynamic, transformative, permanent revolution. I like that. 
Do you see us as a community of Jesus-loving servants? Do you see us making transformative difference in Laconia? Does it matter that we are here doing what we do? If we suddenly disappeared from the scene, would anyone notice? Would they miss us or wonder what happened and wish we would return? Are the lives we encounter as we do what we do as church, the church of Jesus Christ, being transformed, whether instantly or in a conversion experience or over time through love investment? Are they being transformed from darkness to light, from hatred to love, from oppression to bondage, to liberty and freedom, from sickness to health? And I would say yes. I would say yes. We're making a difference. We see all of this, but not nearly enough of this. Can we move from sporadic to constant? From a trickle to a flow? From the warmth of our best efforts to the raging fire of the Holy Spirit? Can we move our own personal lives from Sunday Christians to missional maniacs? Mm. Come on, Susie. You know you're half crazy already. <laughs> for the cause of the gospel and for the glory of Jesus Christ. And again, I say yes, but it means moving to the intended full potential gifting of the called-out ecclesia, the full-functioning church of Jesus Christ. And this means both corporately as the express body of Christ in the earth and in Laconia, as well as individually expressed function of the part of the body that you may represent at any given moment in any place. You can be his ears, listening to the cry of an aching heart. His eyes seeing the possibility for someone's future when all they see is their own potential for failure. You can be his hands to heal, his words to encourage, his feet to bring the beauty of the hope of the gospel to the hopeless. Jesus can meet every need a human can have, and he does it through the humans he has called out, equipped and gifted by his Holy Spirit, who have pushed past their own fears, needs, and wants, and presented themselves as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable for his use. And half the time we're not even aware we're making a difference. On this most recent trip to Israel, the Lord graciously revealed to me some of the fruit of my own life, and it was very impacting the realization that God was intentionally showing me some of these dynamics at work in my life started with an email I received from Opanawa Innocent. Do you remember him? He came in with the invisible children. And he told us he would be president of Uganda one day. A couple of years ago, he wrote me an email and told me of a plan that he had to help the finances of his village. He wanted to start a piggery. And all he needed to do was buy 
two pigs and to build a compound and over time those pigs would produce and he was going to give every senior student who was graduating from the village school two pigs so they could start their own group of pigs and provide support for their families and on and on it would go and he needed a certain amount of money and no one else thought he could pull it off. We sent him the money. So he wrote me this long letter because I said, you know, Innocent, I, I need you to keep up with how this is going. I'm giving you a lot of money to do this. I need reports on a regular basis. And after the first report, I didn't hear from him again for two years, three years. And that was part of the letter to apologize that he didn't keep up with that. But here's what has happened from your investment. So he has gone on to further his education in economics. He'll be graduating with a master's degree in Germany, uh, which is big stepping stone in Africa for politics. Economics is the key. Uh, all of his siblings are now enrolled in school. He provides, continues to provide pigs to the kids graduating so they can provide for their own families in their villages. His own family is financially secure for the rest of their days as this piggery now keeps producing and reproducing and reproducing. This is how he closes the letter. Peace be with you, Pastor, as you continue to change many lives. You were truly sent to make this world a much better place for all mankind, as I shall always be a living testimony to that. That was not my intent. I never saw that, but he did. We'd gone to the Mount of Beatitudes with the group. And as is my practice there, I told the team to take some time, find a quiet spot in the garden, read the Beatitudes. It's a great place. I mean, it's a beautiful spot. And we'd hook up later on to discuss what we had heard from the Lord out of the scripture. So I found my spot. I have this particular spot I always go to when I'm there. And I was reading Matthew 5, 1 through 10, and it struck me that both the poor in spirit and the persecuted for righteousness' sake received the same reward, the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. I can understand why the persecuted get that, Reward, but I didn't even know what the poor in spirit were. What's a poor in spirit? What's that look like? What's that feel like? How's you? Know? Never mind what they, why they get the same reward. As I'm meditating on this, I see a woman coming down the stairs in the garden, being obviously drawn to an area where a Spanish group was singing worship songs. It was just down below where I was. She walked with a sort of stiff-legged, halting gait, and her upper body movements looked as if she may have had a stroke recently. I don't think she was 40 years old, would you say? Under, under 40, maybe in her 30s. 
Two men accompanied her. One was obviously her husband, the other possibly a tour guide. She listened intently and then slowly turned and walked away on the path that passed by me. And the Lord said to me, the poor in spirit. Unable to reach her full potential because she was crushed by the circumstances of life. Tell her, I'm so proud of her and her pursuit of me. So I stood up and approached her. Jesus is so proud of you, I said. Why? She answered. And I repeated what he had said to me, and she kind of stood there dumbfounded, then said, thank you, with tears rolling down her cheeks. I turned and walked away, and she walked on her way in the opposite direction. But as I got up to the next level in the garden, the two paths converged again, and the woman seeing me ran up to me and asked for prayer. There in the middle of two converging paths, two lives converged, and the kingdom came to the poor in spirit. At the garden tomb, toward the end of our time there, I had gone back to the actual tomb for one last time of prayer alone, and as I approached the tomb entrance, I saw the most wonderful sight. A very elderly man was exiting the tomb uh, must have been at least 90, at least 90. And you have to kind of stoop down to clear your head, and I noticed a young man on each side of him inside the tomb and uh, that was steadying him, holding him up by his arms, and one guy put his hand on his head and kind of pressing lightly down so he wouldn't hit his head on the stone of the door. Two others were outside the door holding him steady and actually physically moving his legs forward by hand to help him take steps. They finally settled him into his wheelchair. I walked over to him and asked him if he spoke English. Yes, he replied. I knelt down beside his chair, held his hand, and I said, in the book of Romans, Paul says to present yourself as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable. And I feel like the Holy Spirit wants you to know that what you just did by going into that tomb brought pleasure to Jesus because it took all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength to accomplish it. And I feel like Jesus would say to you, well done, good and faithful servant. He sat in his wheelchairs with tears streaming down his face. Thank you, was all he said, while the five young men just watched in stunned silence. There were several other simple encounters along the way. The owners of the hostel at Arbel, where we stay in Galilee, their son saying to me how his parents love me. And I said, well, I love them also. And he replied, no, I mean, really, really love you. <laughs> I never knew. They just run a hostel. But over the years, through a relationship and comments and hugs and kisses when we first get there and kisses goodbye and hugs goodbye, you know. It's made a difference. Christ in me. Christ in the team. In the upper room, it was 
a young couple from Mexico being filled with the Holy Spirit for the first time in the prison cell where Jesus was held at the house of Caiaphas. It was a group of 40 pilgrims whom I prophesied over, and they began to weep and pray in tongues and shout glory to God. And then the individuals in the group who received personal ministry with words of knowledge, healing, and comfort. And at a small restaurant in Jerusalem. I love this. Ow. <laughs> we took part in fulfilling the great prophecy in Isaiah 19 of the highway of holiness. As we prayed with an Assyrian, an Egyptian, and a Jew united in Christ to worship God together. A prophecy God had given me 19 years ago and had me go to Egypt and Iraq to plant the signpost in the Great Pyramid on one end, Highway of Holiness, and in the Ishtar Gate at Babylon, Highway of Holiness. And he said this to me, you will see it with your own eyes. And on this trip, I saw it with my own eyes. The Assyrian, the Jew, and the Egyptian, and little American me. <laughs> Put it in the bucket. Church, we've been born again of the new creation, seed of Christ. All things are new. All things are possible. Designed, called out, and gifted to make a difference in other people's lives as we sow seeds of love that Jesus has sown in our hearts. Next week, we'll begin to unpack the fivefold ministry of apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers planted in the church to equip, unite, and mature the church for the glory of the Father in the expansion of the kingdom on earth. This is good stuff. This is deep stuff. And it'll be fruitful stuff. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, won't you come? And just delight yourself in your people today. Lord, we are a hungry people, a needy people. Lord, you know that we come not only bearing gifts of praise and worship, Lord, of tithes and offerings, but we also carry the baggage of life. Lord, hurts and pains, disappointments, abuse, Scars on the inside, scars on the outside. Father, sometimes we have no strength at all. And so we lift our hands and our eyes to you today. And we say, come, Holy Spirit. Let all the promises of God in Christ Jesus begin to minister to the great needs that are in your church today. Father, that we would no longer have to carry our own junk but, Lord, we'd be able to carry the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ with freedom, with liberty, with abandon, oh God, with joy in our hearts. Father, good news you've given us, good news. Come, Holy Spirit. Would you break out as healing in this room right now? Father, for those who are struck with disease and infirmities, would you touch their bodies beginning right now? We loose a healing anointing in this room right now in the name of Jesus Christ. More, Jesus, more. 
Father, for the breaking of bondage. The breaking of bondage, oh God. Father, I ask you to break the bondage of the heart that some people suffer in this room, oh God, that they are held captive, Lord, by the emotions of others who keep them in bondage to their own needs, oh God. They're not free to even express their own joy. Father, would you break that right now, God, and heal relationships. I release reconciliation in this room. Father, restore relationships between mothers and daughters. Mothers and daughters. I, I got a sense there are a couple of women in this room who are who are at odds with their mother or their daughter. There's a, a, a breakdown of that relationship. Uh, I want to say the Holy Spirit is going to restore that. It's going to restore that. If you're holding bitterness against your mother or your daughter, just say say these words, Jesus. Because you've forgiven me, I forgive them. Because you've forgiven me, I forgive them. Because you've forgiven me, I forgive them. I release you from the bitterness right now. In Jesus' name. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit.